Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So at at the start of the summer when our family went on our vacation to Gulf Shores, Alabama, we, we visited many different beach shops on the main strip, but it was at the very first beach shop that we went to where they offered us free samples of freshly made fudge. And of course, we had to try some because who turns down a, a free sample of freshly made su- uh, fudge, uh, right? This is America. We're going we're gonna to take those free samples any chance we get. But if you've been on vacation recently to a beach or resort town yourself, then you may have had a similar experience because almost every beach or resort town in America has either a shop that sells uh, some type of fudge or saltwater taffy, or sometimes both. In fact, studies have shown that people are much more willing to indulge in foods that they might normally try to avoid while they're on vacation, and we do this for a few different reasons. We may be willing to eat uh, foods like saltwater saltwater taffy and fudge while we're on vacation, Uh, Because it's a special occasion, right? We're on vacation, after all. Calories don't count. Can I get an amen? Right? But candies like fudge and saltwater taffy, also, when, when when we specifically eat those on vacation, they tend to evoke some emotions in us, an emotional experience in us. Sometimes they, they bring this nostalgic feel, bringing memories back from our childhood, But they can also provide just an inexpensive thrill for us. And so, as a result, they they evoke these simple feelings of happiness and joy. So, like Becky already said, we're launching into a new series this morning titled Undeniable Joy. And as we go through this series, we're simply going to be walking through the book of Philippians. But as we think about joy... I want to just pause right here and ask, where are you turning to find your joy? Where are you turning to find your joy? Are you turning to, to food, like sweets, like saltwater taffy and fudge? Are you turning to food? Are you turning to, to money to find your joy? Are you turning to substances to find your joy or to success or, or stuff? Where are you turning to find your joy? And let me just encourage you, instead of, indulging, instead of indulging in the sweet things of this life to provide for you a joy, which in the end, right, they are temporary things, so they're going to provide for you a temporary joy. Instead of turning to those things, let me just encourage you, indulge in Jesus. Indulge in Jesus, because when we indulge our lives in Jesus, what we will find is that He will produce in us a joy that is far greater and a joy that is far long lasting and eternal joy. He's going to produce this eternal joy in our life, a joy that the things of this world, the things of this life, cannot. 
provide for us. So indulge in Jesus. But as we discuss joy throughout this series, I want us to understand joy from a, a spiritual and a biblical perspective because there are a lot of incorrect ideas of joy out there. And so what I want to do, I want to provide you with my working definition of biblical joy, and I'm going to remind you of this working definition each week. So joy is that good feeling of peace, happiness, and contentment that comes from the spirit that is at work within us, regardless of the circumstances that are at work around us. Let me say that again. Joy is that good feeling of peace, happiness, and contentment that comes from the spirit that is at work within us, regardless of the circumstances that are at work around us. Now understand, when I say the spirit that is at work within us, I'm not referring to our own spirit, and I'm not referring to some mystical spirit of happiness. I'm specifically referring to the Holy Spirit that, uh, that is given to us when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, given to all believers upon the moment of our salvation. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 tells us, In him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. In other words, when you gave your life to Christ, you received the Holy Spirit into your life. Furthermore, Romans chapter 8 uh, tells us that, that for believers, we have the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Christ living inside of us. And so if you've given your life to Christ then you have the Spirit of God, you have the Spirit of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You have received the Holy Spirit into your life. And because you have received the Holy Spirit into your life, then you have a Spirit living inside of you, working inside of you, that can produce joy in your life, even when the circumstances of your life may not be in and of themselves joyful circumstances because our joy is not going to be rooted in our circumstances or produced by our circumstances our joy is going to be rooted in and produced by his spirit but as we think about having the holy spirit in our life as we talk about receiving the holy spirit upon our salvation when we when we cry out to god when we when we ask jesus to be our lord i think it's important for me to just pause and ask have you given your life to Christ? Have you given your life to Christ? Has there been a time in your life that you have heard the gospel of salvation? That, that one, you have sinned, we all have, and that because of our sin, Jesus died on the cross to be the atonement for our sins, to pay for our sins, that three days later he rose again, and that if we will turn to him, confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Has there been a moment that you've heard the gospel of salvation and that you have turned to Jesus Christ, crying out to him to be the Lord of your life? Because understand, in order to have this undeniable joy that we're talking about that comes from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is placed in our life, it all begins with salvation, and so if you haven't yet given your life to Christ, 
then that's the first step for you. So have you given your life to Christ? Have you given your life to Christ? And if you haven't, then let me just ask, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from, from giving your life to Christ? And let me just encourage you, if, if that's you, then let me encourage you, let today be the day. Let today be the day that you respond to the gospel of salvation, that you cry out to Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, allowing him to be your Lord, to be your leader each and every day. Would you allow for him to forgive you, to save you, to redeem you, and transform you today? So now that we have this, this biblical understanding of joy, turn in your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11 today. And as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. The book of Philippians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the believers in Philippi. And the believers in Philippi have a special place in Paul's heart because the local church body, that local body of believers in Philippi, was founded by the Apostle Paul during his second missionary journey. Then as time moved on, Paul, Paul moved on from Philippi. And then as you fast forward things, Paul was eventually arrested, flogged, and thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. And so this letter that Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he is writing as he is in prison. And yet the content of, of his letter is one of great joy. In fact, this letter is known as... Uh, the letter of joy or the book of joy because Paul uses the, those words joy or rejoice nine times in this letter. But as we think about Paul being in prison, writing this letter of joy or this book of joy to the, the, the believers in Philippi, I think it really gives us a great reminder that our joy is not found in our location. Joy is found in our salvation. Joy is not found in our location. Joy is found in our salvation. Remember, our joy is not going to be produced by our circumstances. Joy is going to be produced by the Spirit in our life that we receive upon our salvation. So joy is not found in our location. Joy is found in our salvation. And so if you've received Christ, then you can experience and walk in joy no matter your location. Now, for Paul, that meant whether he was in prison or out of prison, that he was going to walk in and experience joy. For you, that may mean whether you're in a job that you just really dislike or whether you're in the comfort of your own home, you're going to walk in joy. It may mean whether you are, are living in the town that you've grown up in, that you've lived in your whole life, or whether you've completely moved to a new town to start over. I'm not trying to call anybody out, Palmer and Katie. <laughs> But because we take the Spirit of Christ with us no matter where we go, we can have joy no matter where we are. Because we take the Spirit of Christ with us no matter where we go, we can have joy and walk in joy no matter where we are. Joy is not found in our location. Joy is found in our salvation. So Paul is in prison as he writes this letter, and yet he has great joy. And so what we're going to see is that his desire also, as he writes this letter, is for, for those that he's writing this letter to, for, for believers to experience and walk in this joy as well. So with that in mind, let's read 
Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you. With the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, as we look at this passage, I want to begin by highlighting who Paul addresses this letter to in verse 1. Verse 1, he says, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. And there's a couple of things that I want to say here as we look at who he addresses this letter to. First, if you are a believer, then you are a saint. Now, I didn't say that you're perfect, all right? But if you're a believer, then you are a saint. And I realize that this may be somewhat counter to what we may think at times. But, but it's important for us to understand that if we're a believer, then we are a saint, just as Paul calls them saints. Because sainthood is not something that we achieve. Sainthood is something that we receive. In other words, that term saint is not something that, that we are able to achieve after years of hard work, after years of good living, after all of this work in our life, we, we don't pass away and, and then somehow we have achieved sainthood status. No, scripturally speaking, the title of saint is given to us based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So because our salvation is not dependent upon our own righteousness, rather it's dependent upon solely Christ's righteousness and his sacrifice for us, then when we give our lives to Christ, we receive that title of saint. Because it's not based on our own merit. It's not something that we can do. It's not something we can achieve. It is based solely on what Christ has achieved for us. So if you are a believer, then you are a saint. I also want to point out that, that Paul specifically mentions overseers and deacons here. All right, so he addresses to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, but also including the overseers and deacons. Now, that word overseers could also be translated as bishops. You may see that in, in your translation if you're looking at a different translation. But what we get with this idea is that we're, he's addressing it to the believers, to the deacons, but also to, to bishops or individuals like pastors. All right. Now, Paul could have easily just addressed all of the saints in Philippi, and that would have 
automatically included the, the overseers and the deacons. But I think we have this great reminder because Paul specifically addresses the saints, the, the overseers and the deacons, we have this great reminder that none of us are above or beneath obeying God's word. None of us are above or, or beneath obeying God's word. Listen, whether you are a member of this church body, whether you are a deacon in this church body, or whether you are serving on staff with this church body, we are all called to turn to God's word, to apply God's word, and to walk in obedience to God's word equally. Regardless of our position, God's word is to have the position of authority in our lives. None of us are above or beneath obeying God's word. So Paul addresses this letter to the, the, the saints in Philippi, all the believers in Philippi, along with the, the overseers and the deacons. Then in verse, verses 3 through 11, we see Paul begin to pray for those that he is writing this letter to. And, and while... While our joy is going to be produced by the spirit that is at work within us, regardless of the circumstances that are at work around us, I believe that we see some things in Paul's prayer here, ways for our joy to be refreshed as we follow Christ. And so I want to look at those three things with you today, three things that we see, ways that our joy can be refreshed as we follow Christ. First, our joy can be refreshed in knowing that we aren't alone. Our joy can be refreshed in knowing that we aren't alone. Let's look at verses 3 through 5 again. It says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Our joy can be refreshed in knowing that we aren't alone. So I mentioned this at the start of the service and in the announcement video, but this marks the, the first day of our week of prayer for Texas Baptist Missions and for the Mary Hill Davis offering. And, and the Mary Hill Davis offering is how we as, as Baptists come together with other Texas Baptist churches, other Baptist churches across this great state of Texas so that we can pull our resources together so that sometimes we can even serve together, go on mission trips together so that we can work together to advance the gospel here in Texas. Listen, we've seen God do some pretty cool things here in First Baptist Stockdale and in the community of Stockdale over the last year. Amen? But we also recognize that we cannot reach all of Texas on our own, right? No individual church can. And so we have, we have the BGCT, the Baptist General Convention of Texas, which allows for us to come together to work together with other Baptist churches in this state and through the Mary Hill Davis offering to pull our resources together. Because we believe that we can give together, we can serve together, we believe that we are better together. That's one of the reasons why I love being a Southern Baptist. Because part of what we, what we do, you may not know this, but part of our budget is to give to the cooperative program every year. Which the cooperative program is our giving to the National Southern Baptist Convention. But that's our way to join in with other Baptist churches, not just in, a, in this state but across this nation so that we can 
work together, so that we can serve together, so that we can advance the gospel together. We're reminded through, through opportunities like the Mary Hill Davis offering, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We're reminded as we give to these things that we are not in this alone. Rather, we are working in partnership with others for the sake of the gospel. And let me just tell you, there is great joy in knowing that, that we are not alone. Our joy can be refreshed in knowing that we aren't alone. So this week is Palmer and Katie's first Sunday with us. And this is an exciting time for our church body as, as Palmer comes on to staff here. But as it's their first Sunday with us, that means that last week it was their last Sunday with First Baptist Watauga, the same church that I came from. And I want you to know that last Sunday at the end of their service there, or actually it was in the welcome of their service, but at their service last week, they called Palmer and Katie forward and they, they prayed over Palmer and Katie as they were sending them out to come here to begin serving here in Stockdale. And so I went back and I watched a portion of that service and I want you to know that, that First Baptist Watauga prayed not only for Palmer and Katie, but they prayed for me as your pastor they prayed for First Baptist Church Stockdale, and they also prayed for the community of Stockdale. And so on, on Monday, I texted Pastor Dennis, and I just thanked him for his prayers because, because I recognized, man, it, it is such a blessing to have other churches praying for us. It, it's a blessing to know that, that we are not in this alone. Our joy can be refreshed in knowing that we aren't alone. There's also great joy in adding Palmer to the staff here at First Baptist Stockdale because Palmer's not just coming as our youth minister. In a very real way, Palmer is becoming a partner in ministry to me here at First Baptist Stockdale. He's becoming a partner to Becky in ministry here. He's becoming a partner to Jody in ministry here. But Palmer and Katie, as they come here, they are becoming partners to all of us here at First Baptist Stockdale, as we begin to serve the Lord together for the sake of the gospel. Our joy can be refreshed in knowing that we aren't alone. So let me just pause right here and ask, are you going through this life alone? Are you going through this life alone? And if you are going through this life alone, then let me just say this, you don't have to, and really you weren't meant to. God's desire for you, if you've given your life to Christ, God's desire for you is to connect your life with a local church body. Now, how do I know that God values the local church body? Well, if you look at a bulk of the letters written in the New Testament, they are letters written to local church bodies, just like this letter is written to a local church body in Philippi. We also see several letters in the book of Revelations written to different local church bodies uh, in, in the book of Revelation. And so, so God values the local church body. The local church body is how God, God uses and, and spreads the gospel throughout this world. This, this is part of our call as a church to go and, and to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, out into this world. God values and God uses the local church body. And so God's desire for you, if you're a believer, if you've given your life to Christ, is to connect with a lo local church body, whether it's this one or whether it's another one. 
God's desire is that you would get connected with a local church body. Now, you might say, well, I am connected to a local church body. I attend this one. Well, let me just say, if if you're attending First Baptist Stockdale and all you're doing is attending First Baptist Stockdale, let me encourage you to move beyond attendance and move to a place of partnership with First Baptist Stockdale for the sake of the gospel in our mission. Remember, here at First Baptist Stockdale, we say we are a community church with a kingdom mission. And our kingdom mission is to love, to grow, to serve, and to go. And all of those aspects of our mission here at First Baptist Stockdale are to be accomplished together. We can certainly do them alone, but, but we are called to come together and to accomplish these together that we might further the gospel together. So let me encourage you, move beyond simple attendance to a place of partnership in the gospel. And if you would say, well, I don't know what to do, then, then come and talk with me. You know, I, I, I don't want to uh, embarrass this person, but I see up in the sound booth today, Marley serving on the soundboard. All right, if you just remember, I just baptized Marley a couple of weeks ago. And so Marley has moved from from attending youth to giving her life to Christ, making that public, and now she's up there serving, right? And so let me just encourage you, let's learn from our youth, and let's say, man, I don't want to just attend, I want to move to a place where I am a partner in the gospel, where I am serving with others for the sake of the gospel. Now, for some of you, that may mean becoming a member here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. Maybe you've given your life to Christ already. You, you've made that public profession of faith through baptism by immersion, as Scripture calls us to. You've taken those steps, but maybe you've just been visiting First Baptist Stockdale for weeks, for months, or maybe even for years. If that's you, if you've given your life to Christ, you are a believer, and you've already taken that step of baptism, and and you're just attending, then I would just say, man, it's time to join First Baptist Stockdale. It's time to get connected, to become a partner with the mission of the gospel here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. Don't keep going through this life alone. All right, we're going to move quickly through these next points. Second, our joy can be refreshed in knowing that God is the one at work. Our joy can be refreshed in knowing that God is the one at work. Let's look at verse 6 again. It says, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Our joy can be refreshed in knowing that God is the one at work. Now, there are two ways that, that this, apply, this verse applies in the context of, of Paul's letter here. First, God is the one at work in this church body. I said this when I came in view of a call, but if you haven't gone out to, to simply just take time to read the historical marker that's in front of the church recently, go out there and read that historical marker. I go out there from time to time. I've gone out there several times over the, the last year because for me, it is a reminder that God has been working in and through First Baptist Stockdale for the sake of the gospel for nearly 150 years which means long before you were here, long before I was here, long before any of us were were born, God was already here in Stockdale, and he was already working. You you see, while, while we're all a part of the call, 
If we're here at First Baptist Stockdale, we're all a part of the call to be a part of this good work that God is doing here at First Baptist Stockdale and here in the community of Stockdale. We are not the ones that began the good work. And so I'll go back and I'll read that sign from time to time simply so that I can remember that I'm not trying to start a good work here in Stockdale. I'm simply joining God in the good work that he has already begun I'm simply joining in the mission here at First Baptist Stockdale. But I also remind myself of this because while we each have a call to be a part of, of uh, to walk in faithfulness and, and, and a call to walk in obedience to the Lord uh, as it pertains to the call that he's placed on this church body, at the end of the day, it's God who's going to be faithful to complete this good work. The good work is not going to be completed based on my merits or your merits, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not resting and I'm not placing all of my hope in my own capabilities as a pastor or in your capabilities as a men, member. I'm resting in it and I am hoping in God's faithfulness to complete this good work in this church body. And he will be faithful to complete it because that's who he is. And let me just tell you, as we think about God's faithfulness to this church, there is joy in knowing that. So God's the one at work in this church body. But second, God is the one at work in you as a believer. God is the one at work in you as a believer. In other words, if you've given your life to Christ, then God has begun a good work in you. And the work that he has begun is not dependent upon your works, the work that he has begun is solely dependent upon himself and his faithfulness to be at work in your life. And this is great news because I don't know about you, but I know myself, right? I know my own heart. I know I am imperfect. I know that I sin. I know I mess up. I just confessed to you a couple of weeks ago that I got pulled over for speeding on 123, right? I know I'm not perfect. But God is perfect. God is faithfulness. And in his faithfulness and in his perfection, he will be faithful to complete the good work in me. And he's going to be faithful to complete that good work in you as well. Now, when will this good work be complete? Well, Paul tells us that it's going to be completed in the day of Christ Jesus, which means that the good work will be completed in our life either when we stand before God because of death or because Jesus Christ has returned in his victory to take us home to be with him. And so we have this hope that God is going to continue to work in us until our life here on this earth is over. He's going to be faithful to work in us, and he is going to be faithful to complete that good work in us. So regardless of when that happens, you and I are not the ones working to complete this work. It's God who is working to complete this work in our life, and there is great joy in knowing that. So our joy can be refreshed in knowing that we aren't alone, and our joy can be refreshed in knowing that it's God who is the one at work. Finally, this morning, our joy can be refreshed in knowing that we are walking in obedience. Let's look at verses 9 and 10 again. It says, and I pray this that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior 
and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, our joy can be refreshed in knowing that we are walking in obedience. So what Paul is saying here is his desire for the believers in Philippi is that their love would grow for walking in obedience. I want you to understand the reason we sin, the reason we go back to our sin time and time again, the reason why we go back to the things we shouldn't go back to, the reason why we give in to the temptation, the temptations of this world is because we love those things. We sin because we love our sin. We disobey God because we love our disobedience. That may be difficult to hear, but that's the reality. We do the things we're not supposed to do because we love those things. And so Paul is saying, grow in your love, grow in your knowledge of every kind of discernment so that you may approve of the things that are superior. We need to stop loving inferior things and we need to grow in our love for the superior things. And let me just tell you, there is nothing more superior than Jesus Christ himself. In fact, he's not a superior thing. He is the superior one. And I believe that if we will fall in love with Jesus, we will begin falling out of love with our sin. If our love for Jesus will grow in our life, then our love for the things of this world will begin to fall away. So grow in your love and in your discernment so that you can approve of those superior things that you might turn away from the things of this world, the things that don't belong. But listen, before we can begin walking in obedience to Christ, before we can begin falling in love with Christ, first we must know Christ as Lord. And so as we wrap things up today, let me just ask that question. Do you know Jesus as Lord? Have you given your life to Christ? Have you cried out to him to be your Lord? And if you haven't, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond right now. In just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this will be your opportunity to respond to whatever it is that God's doing in your heart and in your life in this place this morning. And if you're here and you would say, that's me, I've never given my life to Christ. But today, having heard that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for my sins, Today, I recognize my need for him to be my Savior and my Lord. Today, I'm ready to turn from my sins, and I'm ready to cry out to Jesus, asking him to be my Lord. If that's you, then I would just encourage you, as we sing this song this morning, respond. Step out of your seat. I'm going to be standing right down front. Would you join me down here? Would you join me down here, and would you confess Jesus as Lord in this place this morning? Let me tell you, if you confess Jesus as Lord, you're going to, first, he's going to begin a good work in you and you're going to receive that spirit in your life that's going to produce this joy that we've been talking about. But all of that begins with knowing Jesus as Lord. Would you join me down here for that today? Maybe you're here and you would say, well, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that step of baptism to publicly profess Jesus Christ as Lord in the way that he has called us to. If you've never taken that next step, then I would encourage you to respond as well. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. We have five baptisms coming up over the next few weeks. I'd love to get your scheduled as well. Let's get you on the list so that you can publicly profess Jesus Christ as Lord as well. Maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ and I have been baptized. 
And I'm who you were talking about earlier. I've been visiting this church for, for weeks, for months, or even years. But it's time for me to become a partner in this ministry, a partner in this, the gospel here at First Baptist Stockdale. If that's you, then I would encourage you. You can respond as well. If you've given your life to Christ and you've been baptized by immersion, you can become a member here at First Baptist Stockdale today. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, let me just encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.